For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A Turkish bird hunter died last week after he was shot and killed by his own dog. The 32-year-old Turkish man was on a hunting trip with friends in the Samson province in Turkey's northern region of the Black Sea. Details are a little sketchy, so I can't say for sure what he was hunting, but social media photos obtained by the New York Post show the man with upland birds, shotguns, and hunting dogs. He was reportedly putting one of his dogs in the small kennel hitched to the back of his car when the dog's paw touched the trigger of a loaded shotgun and it went off. The hunter was rushed to a nearby hospital but pronounced dead on arrival. Some outlets have reported that one of his hunting buddies had been arrested, and others claim the dog story was a cover-up for murder. But the friend has since been released, and I haven't been able to find any evidence that the dog is being used as a patsy for a homicide. A homicide, by the way, is when one person kills another person. It comes from the Latin homo, meaning man, and sidium, meaning the act of killing. Following that logic is a canicidium, when a dog kills a person? Or is this still a homicide? All you Latin scholars know where to find me. Anyway, if this story makes you look at your furry friends and pause, or if it sounds a little far-fetched, or maybe just a little too rough, keep in mind that it's happened before. You may remember back in 2018 when a hunter in New Mexico was shot by his dog from the backseat of his truck. He had his dogs and his loaded gun rattling around back there, and the dog's paw got caught in the trigger guard. The man survived but had to undergo several surgeries. The only silver lining to any of these stories is that we now know it was an accident. There's no way a dog would shoot its person on purpose. If it was a cat, well, you know, I wouldn't be so sure. This week, we've got litigation, monuments, and crime, plus so much more. 
But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was great. Other than picking up COVID again, which is why my voice sounds like this, it's my third run of aches, pains, fevers, chills, coughing, and COVID antibody building. How was I struck down? Well, that's a good question. After a solid three months of traveling in and out of very remote locales, enjoying the great out of doors, I went to Atlanta to be social with my girlfriend and see old Chester and Carl open up for Trampled by Turtles, which was awesome. Chet and Carl did a great job, but if I'm being totally honest, Trampled really stole the show. I don't know if you can steal your own show, but they did a good job. It's funny that I've been listening to that group for 15 or so years and uh, have become friends with the lead singer, Dave Simonette, for a handful of years now, and this is the first time I ever saw him live. It's an incredible show, and like I've said in the not-too-distant past, Trampled by Turtles really impresses me with their support of conservation groups such as the Sportsman for the Boundary Waters Canoe Area and Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. There are a lot of larger groups and artists out there who aren't willing to publicly support causes for fear of losing cash from their listener base. It's notable and noteworthy. Anyway, if you want to stretch your music repertoire with some intense stringed harmony, check out their new album, Alpenglow, then go see them live. Whole new appreciation for what they do when you watch it come together up close. Also, in my Hotlanta highlights, Georgia Aquarium for the two big tanks. Pretty awesome watching the big sharks glide through those big glass tanks, even for somebody who swam with them. Which is a good reminder that uh, the new Hawaii episode, Season 11, Meat Eater, only available at TheMeatEater.com, is live right now. You can go check that out. The other thing I thought about a lot in the Georgia Aquarium is what would happen if that glass broke. It's almost two feet thick, so highly unlikely. But six million gallons is a lot of water in one pot. Now, aside from that, some really big news, and I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, so the details are still a little fuzzy, but it's happening. And you should be able to go to TheMeatEater.com and know that it's happening by the time you hear this. The Meat Eater Land Access Initiative. Say it one more time, the Meat Eater Land Access Initiative. You know that program where we try to identify places that will provide more access to hunting and fishing? Well, we've selected a really cool project to put our collective dollars to work on. This one was brought to me by the Trust for Public Lands, or TPL. It's called the Montana Great Outdoors Project, and it's unique in the fact that recreational access will be provided through permanent easement via outright ownership. The project is located in northwest Montana and designed to keep working forests working and prevent development, meaning most of what we're talking about is timber company land that's highly sought after for recreational use, but they're still in timber production providing jobs. If the land was chopped up and sold off at market value, there'd be very little chance of conserving it, which is why TPL that's Trust for Public Lands, brokered the idea of permanent easements, which will allow for, quote, traditional uses such as hunting, fishing, OHV, and even firewood cutting where appropriate. In order to maximize this opportunity to provide more and permanent access right now, across all meat eater brands, we will be donating a percentage of sales up to $200,000. Additionally, when you make a purchase, you can choose to Roundup for the Montana Great Outdoors Project using our Roundup for Conservation platform at checkout. If you want to learn more, you can go to TheMeatEater.com forward slash Cal or to TPL.org forward slash Montana Great Outdoors. 
So for all of you who have already supported the Meat Eater Land Access Initiative, thank you. We are putting that cash to work. The end result of this year's project will be hundreds of thousands of acres of permanent access. And for those who haven't thrown their hat in on some land access initiative funding, now's the time to do it. We're going to double your money for more access. Moving on to the legal desk. I have an update for you on the Montana Wolf case we covered in episode 187. The judge in that case issued a restraining order against the state's wolf hunt, which reduced quotas and bag limits in several management units. He issued the order in response to a request by two animal rights groups that are suing the state over the new wolf hunting regulations the legislature passed last year. However, in this most recent development, that same judge has reversed course. He determined that the animal rights groups were not able to prove that the new wolf hunting regs would cause irreparable harm to the state's wolf population. The Cal's Week in Review listener wrote in to explain that judges often do this kind of thing. They put a policy on pause while they sort out whether the policy will cause irreparable harm. Then they allow the policy to continue or uphold the restraining order once they make their determination. This latest ruling does not mean the animal rights groups will ultimately fail in their lawsuit. It just means that in this judge's view, the danger to the wolf population isn't great enough to issue an emergency order. He pointed out that even though the official bag limit was raised to 20, only one hunter took 10 wolves last year. The vast majority of successful hunters only took one wolf. Over in New Jersey, a judge allowed the black bear hunt to continue after he temporarily halted it in response to a suit brought by several animal rights groups. Bear check stations opened on December 6th, and the season runs through December 10th. It's worth noting that even though protectionist groups were unsuccessful in their lawsuit, they did manage to cut one day from the original season by delaying the hunt's December 5th opening. The hunt will be closed by the time you hear this, so good luck to all you Garden State bear hunters. In another Montana-related legal case, a landowner is suing the federal government over a public access road he claims should only be open to Forest Service employees. The case has made it all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and the justices heard oral arguments just last week. Several of you sent me this story, and it definitely piqued my interest. Larry Wilkins lives by himself in western Montana on a 10-acre patch of ground along the East Fork of the Bitterroot River. He's lived there since 2006, and he has a neighbor nearby named Jane Stanton. The Forest Service road runs through his property, which is the result of an easement granted to the Forest Service by the property's previous owners in 1962. Wilkins and his lawyers claim that the original agreement only permitted the road to be used by Forest Service employees and permittees, not the general public. However, in recent years, Wilkins claims that his private hideaway has been trampled by hunters, hikers, and all sorts of riffraff. He claims hunters have trespassed on snowmobiles at 5 in the morning, someone shot his cat, and that people have been poaching elk. Of course, if all that's true, these activities are just illegal activities with or without the road. But Wilkins wants the Forest Service to take down a sign that says the road is open to the public, which he hopes will cut down on conflicts. The Forest Service claims that since at least 1972, Forest Service maps have designated the road as a National Forest System road that provides unrestricted access to the Bitterroot National Forest. However, the bulk of their argument rests on a technicality. They say that it's too late for Wilkins to sue the federal government. 
The Quiet Title Act allows lawsuits against the federal government for using or modifying property up to 12 years after a challenger knows or should have known that the United States held a claim on the land. Since Wilkins has been on the property since 2006, but didn't file his lawsuit until 2018, he missed the cutoff date and his suit should be dismissed. This is why the Supreme Court is interested in this case. They don't really care about a small Forest Service road in western Montana. They want to weigh in on whether or how strictly deadlines to sue the federal government should be enforced. At the end of the day, the case will likely depend on when Wilkins should have understood that the road would be open to the public. Was it in 2006 when he first moved onto the property, or was it, as he argues, in more recent years when public traffic increased and it became a problem? The court has heard oral arguments, and some observers believe they're poised to side with Wilkins. They should release their decision next spring. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Moving on. President Joe Biden announced last week his intention to designate Avi Kwame, or Spirit Mountain, as a national monument. 
This area is located in southern Nevada and is considered sacred land to 12 indigenous tribes. Here's President Biden making the announcement at the Tribal Nation Summit. When it comes to Spirit Mountain and the surrounding ridges and canyons in southern Nevada, I'm committed to protecting this sacred place that is central to the creation story of so many tribes that are here today. Tribal groups have led the push to designate Spirit Mountain as a national monument, but it's also a win for conservationists. The area is home to diverse species of wildlife and their habitat, including migration corridors for desert bighorn sheep, and is surrounded by nine distinct wilderness areas. According to a press release from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Nevada will retain wildlife management authority in the area, and hunting and continued public access opportunities will be sustained. Presidents often designate national monuments under the Antiquities Act. Some argue that this act was only intended to allow the president to designate small portions of land, while others say it allows presidents to designate hundreds of thousands or sometimes even millions of acres. The Biden administration is currently considering several proposals for how much land to designate as the new Ave Kwame National Monument. One proposal would designate 450,000 acres, though CNN reports that the administration is considering several different options. Presidents can designate national monuments unilaterally. They do not need approval from Congress or any other body. Since Theodore Roosevelt created the Antiquities Act, Nearly every president has used it to protect well-known and lesser-known historical, cultural, and natural icons. Moving on to the pig desk. A Chinese concrete company is set to complete what it says is the world's biggest high-rise pig farm. If the sound of that makes you confused and a little uncomfortable, join the club. Thanks to Jonathan Schlesinger for sending this one in. The company behind the farm, whose name I won't attempt to... Or, you know, I'd butcher it, is what I'm saying. Got it started as a concrete investor with multiple factories, according to The Guardian. But after a slump in the concrete and construction industries, they decided, you know what? Why not try our hand at pig farming? About 18% of the world's population lives in China, and that country consumes about half of all the world's pork. With that kind of customer base, I guess it makes sense to jump into the modern pig farming industry. And when I say modern... I mean, in no way whatsoever resembling, you know, that cute little movie, Babe the Pig, that herds the sheep, you know, and then turns into a beautiful smoked pork chop covered in white fat. You remember that one? That'll do, pig. That'll do. Well, anyway, when this pig farm that does not resemble that movie, Babe, is fully operational, it will be an 8.6 million square foot facility having the capacity to house a whopping 650,000 pigs. When viewed from the outside, it looks like one of those shabby 20 or 30 story apartment buildings you might see in any major U.S. city. But inside, the farm has gas, temperature, and ventilation controls, along with 30,000 automatic feeders that can be operated from a central control room. The company says waste from the pigs will be treated and used to generate biogas, which can be used for power generation and heating water inside the farm. Indoor urban farming isn't entirely new, but this facility in central China's Hubei province appears to be the largest of its kind in the world. Proponents of these kinds of operations say they help the environment by reducing the footprint that farms need to occupy. By building up instead of out, indoor farms can use fewer acres while still raising the same number of animals. Proponents also claim that they can reduce the occurrence of disease because they can monitor and disinfect workers coming in and out of the facility. 
Opponents argue that disease is a much greater risk than at traditional outdoor-indoor facilities. While farm workers can control what animals and people go in and out, pathogens that do wind up in the facility will wreak havoc among the population. Matthew Hayek, an assistant professor in environmental studies at New York University, told The Guardian that disease can spread like wildfire in these facilities. He said there is, quote, very little evidence that these intensive facilities have any of the benefits their proponents claim. Opponents also have criticisms related to animal welfare. The current industrial livestock industry isn't always concerned about allowing animals to live their best lives, but packing thousands of pigs into a multi-story indoor facility where they'll never touch the ground or see the sunlight seems like a, you know, a step towards the matrix. If you're an avid listener, you may have noticed that I have an affinity for farming. Write in and let me know what you think of vertical farming practices. What are the good examples? Moving on to the crime desk. And this one's at least partially for the birds. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking for the public's help in identifying a poacher or poachers who shot and killed two bald eagles. The incident occurred in Nacogdoches County in East Texas back in October but officials haven't been able to track down the perpetrators. The landowner found the eagles in his field about 15 yards apart and reported it to wildlife officials. The birds were found with pass-through wounds from rifle bullets. Moving on to Maryland. The Agricultural Secretary for the state of Maryland has been charged with illegal bird hunting for allegedly baiting birds during a waterfowl hunt over Thanksgiving. Thanks to Taylor Batten for sending this one in. Police charged Joseph Bartenfelder for the wildlife violation, which carries a maximum $1,500 fine for a first offense. The secretary owns and operates two farms in Dorchester County, and police were following up on a report of a suspected baiting pond. They found Bartenfelder, his son Andrew Bartenfelder Jr., and three other people hunting from a nearby cornfield. In addition to hunting with the aid of bait, Bartenfelder Jr. was charged with hunting with a shotgun that holds more than three shells and for a federal waterfowl stamp violation. Up in New Hampshire, a man has been charged with wildlife violations after he shot a turkey with a 9mm handgun from his car window. Licensed New Hampshire hunters are permitted to hunt turkeys with bows through December 15th, but conservation officers told local media that a 9mm handgun isn't a legal means of take even during the gun season. Officers caught the Cheshire County man after a concerned citizen sent in a tip. The man will also likely be charged with discharging a weapon within 300 feet of a home. I don't know the details of this incident, but it's easy to imagine what happened. A young gobbler with his whole life ahead of him, lots of prospects, starts hanging out with the wrong crowd. Out on the streets instead of out in the fields. His mother, whom he only recently quit following, had kept telling him he's better than that stuff. Don't go chasing mail carriers and cars. That life will lead you nowhere, she said. Well, she was right. Moral of the story, don't shoot animals from the road, out of season, with illegal means of take. And don't let our wildlife be urbanized. It's just not worth it. In New Jersey, a 22-year-old man named Matthew Ligas was charged with illegal hunting after he killed four black bear cubs in Ringwood State Park. Ligus was turned in by a hiker who found three of the dead cubs, and he's been charged with multiple crimes, including hunting with a firearm without a license, hunting with an illegal weapon and ammunition, and hunting during a closed season. I've seen some outlets try to connect this incident with the state's decision to reopen bear hunting, but uh, 
this guy's no hunter. Walleye fishing tournaments have been in the news recently, but not for the reasons walleye anglers might hope. The latest story along these lines comes from Manitoba, Canada, where two tournament directors are being charged with stealing money from a children's hospital. The dynamic duo, a 39-year-old woman and a 40-year-old man, hosted a walleye fishing tournament and told participants that the proceeds would go to the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba. Which, you know, I mean, that's just dirty pool, man. You could have gotten a lighter sentence, I suppose, had you been like, yeah, we're hosting a walleye fishing tournament and uh, the proceeds are going to go to the local firehouse. That's better than ripping off the Children's Hospital. I mean, come on. 492 participants registered, and $22,147 in entry fees were collected. $9,118 went to the participants as prize money, but the hospital fund never received the remaining $13,029. Didn't take long for police to figure out where the fishy smell was coming from and land the pair. Last one for you, and this one is a doozy. Several of you sent me a story about a hunter who'd been wrongfully charged with poaching two deer in West Virginia and North Carolina. Now, the man has hired a civil rights lawyer to sue two West Virginia law enforcement officers for what he says are constitutional violations. It started back in 2020 when David Kraft shot two really nice whitetail bucks. He says he shot one in McDowell County, West Virginia, the other in North Carolina where he lives. He tagged both bucks and sent both racks and caves to a taxidermist in North Carolina. A few weeks later, he was visited at his home by two conservation officers from North Carolina and two from West Virginia. They eventually charged him with hunting without permission, illegal possession of wildlife, and illegal means of take. They claimed he shot both bucks with a crossbow on property in West Virginia where he wasn't allowed to hunt. The story made it into local media, where a West Virginia DNR officer proudly displayed both sets of antlers after they seized them from Kraft's taxidermist. Fast forward to April of this year, the state had requested multiple extensions to the case, supposedly so that they could follow up on some DNA evidence. DNR officers have previously claimed that they had obtained photographs and other physical evidence proving their case, but either that evidence didn't pan out or they never had it in the first place. A week before Kraft's jury trial was set to take place, prosecutors dropped all charges against Kraft. He had to wait a few months, but he eventually got his antlers back. Unfortunately, the capes had been ruined, meaning that the hair was coming off the hide and they couldn't be used to mount his deer, which is a bum deal. And this case is obviously concerning. Kraft's lawyer makes some serious accusations, at least some of which we can assume to be valid due to the state dropping the case. He claims the officers involved were part of a hunting club, and they were jealous of Kraft's deer. He implies that they cooked up these charges with no evidence, and even claims that they seized Kraft's deer without a warrant. According to the FOIA materials we received, as well as the documents produced during the criminal case, there was no warrant or court order from either state justifying the seizure. Nor did David consent to the seizure of the antlers. In fact, he expressly denied consent. I reached out to the West Virginia DNR, but they declined to comment due to the pending lawsuit. As always, we'll keep you posted as this one progresses. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening and putting up with this haggard voice. Once again, check out TheMeteor.com and our land access initiative. We're going to ramp up and try to ensure access for generations to come right here in the home state of Montana, which is super exciting. And as per usual, write in 
and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. You know, I appreciate it. And lastly, but not leastly, go to steeldealers.com and find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need, and they're not going to try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.